Hello and welcome to Podcast by the Peer, the podcast where freelance copywriters talk about all things freelancing and copywriting. Whether you're a seasoned copywriter or just dipping your toe into the world of words, pull up a deck chair and join us as we dive into the minds of some of our freelance favourites. I'm your host, Tom Davies, a freelance copywriter based in Brighton, and today I'm joined by newish mother and greyhound lover. Of course, it's content by the seas, Ellen Kate Boyle. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Hello. Hi, Tom. That's nice to include the greyhounds. Unfortunately, you can hear one of them drinking water noisily in the background already. So uh, I'm sure we'll make an appearance with a cry at some point. Yeah, I've got a Burmese mountain dog, and when he drinks water, my God, it sets off coral arms mouth, so don't worry. Yeah. Right then, parenting and freelancing. That is the topic for today's episode, or more specifically, how on earth we managed to build and manage a successful freelance business while raising the very needy and wonderfully inconsiderate minds of our offspring. But before we talk into today's topic, Ellen, can you tell our listeners who you are and how you became a freelance copywriter? Yeah, so my name's Ellen. Sometimes I go by Forster, my maiden name. Sometimes I go by Boyle, my married name. And I am a freelance copywriter and web designer and based in Newcastle, as you can probably tell by the accent. So I became a freelancer by accident, I guess, like a lot of people did. I was working in-house in Sydney in Australia In we'd just gone traveling and I was doing a kind of UX web design job, content strategy, and got a phone call from home and my mom wasn't very well. So came home, brought the job home with me because it was it, I could do it online. And then ended up having to care for her for a, a few weeks. She didn't live for very long after that. She only lived about 12 weeks after I came home. So I was freelancing on the side of looking after her, told my old employers that I was back. And then all of a sudden I had a freelance business, which was a really flexible way of working actually through caring for my mom. And then Craig came home as well shortly after me because he was working over there, but he had a sponsorship. That's my husband. So we weren't sure if we were going to be going back or if we we're going to be staying here. When it turned out, we were definitely going to be staying here in the UK. He came back as well and got the first rescue greyhound as a brief coach. <laughs> and uh, my soulmate, Potter, who you may have seen online if you follow me. And then I just, just was freelance from then onwards after she passed away. I, I couldn't face going back to a real job, you know, gone from the heights of Sydney and CBD to back by the coast in the cold. It was actually snowing when I landed in January 2019. So it was quite demoralizing, but here we are running our little freelance business. I bet those three years have gone pretty quickly, have they? They have actually. It's been definitely a test. I think people don't realize the stress of being together, married, working together, and having two quite needy rescue dogs and then also having a baby together is a lot. Thankfully, we both have our own hobbies and our own separate lives. Like, get, get us out of the house. Otherwise, we might as well just become the same person. Well, um, hopefully you've got half an hour piece now anyway on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it is great to have you on the show, Ellen. And um, as I mentioned, today's topic, it's about how we manage to build and maintain our freelance business while also fulfilling the role of, of being a parent. And that is two of life's challenges that do not come with manual. And um, just for context, listener, I have two daughters who are five and two. That's their age, not their names. And both of whom make sure I get my daily dose of Bluey and Peppa Pig. <laughs> and Ellen has a daughter who I believe just turned one. 
Yeah, she's 13 months now. Yeah, her name's Miri. She's named after my mom, whose name was Miriam. So yeah, she's pretty awesome. Other than the fact that she didn't sleep for about eight or nine months, we've been very lucky with her health and her, and her attitude. She's very, very happy-go-lucky, like super smart kid. It's just more the sleep was probably the biggest issue that we had at the beginning. But yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's really coming into our own now. I think parents listening to this will know that that first year is just a blackout. And then I feel like we're starting to see the light again now with, you know, kind of her giving us a lot more back than we're giving to her rather than it just being a bottomless pit of us putting things into her and getting nothing back. That's lovely that you've, you've named her after your mum. So, um, Ellen, as a newish parent, how are you finding the double act of freelancing and parenting? And how has it affected your business? I think it's been... It has been very, very difficult. I would say the the last year has been a constant learning curve because as you'll know, as a parent, you think you've learned something. You think I finally got a daily routine. These are the times that she sleeps and this is the time that she eats. And then all of a sudden she's just dropping a nap and everything's crazy and she's teething or she's caught a bug at nursery. So we don't have, I know the saying of, takes a village we don't have a village so we only we don't have obviously my mum's not around my dad is it's around but he's not he's not providing childcare, and um craig's parents have got other childcare obligations so we don't have any regular childcare within the family so it's definitely it's just been us the whole time sharing um, the balance so it's pretty much been me full-time parenting as a as I'm still breastfeeding, but Craig has, from about six months old, took a day a week to be a dedicated parent to Mary. So that's the day that I was working. And then at 10 months old, we start to send her to nursery one day a week. And then now she's going to go up to two days a week. So that'll be me going from two days a week work to three days a week work. So the balance has been really, really difficult. I think the hardest part has been like things like getting emails from clients saying, because we do provide web hosting and things like that. So, you know, someone will go on my website's down and I'm in a baby class singing Wind the Bobbin Up and I've got an email saying my website's down and that's the side of the business that I look after, like the technical and the website side creates a lot of the co- creative and copywriting side, although I do write copy as well. So it's not like I can say to Craig, this person's website down, will you sort it? That's probably been the hardest thing, just having to make, send emails while, you know, being trapped under a sleeping baby or... I've had phone calls, I've had Zoom calls with baby on my chest or Craig's been having to go out on a walk around the park, you know, while she's crying and things. In terms of how it's affected the business, it has, it has affected the business, but financially not actually as much as you would think. And I'm not sure if that's just because we still probably put in the same amount of hours. We just cram them into the day, into the night, into the early mornings. We still somehow made revenue growth in the first year after having Mary, despite the fact that I didn't manage to work a lot when I was pregnant in the early days because I was very sick. And then towards the end, obviously I was, I had the baby and then she was difficult at the beginning. So not really sure how that happened financially. I think maybe just we put our prices up a little bit and a lot of our clients, all our clients stayed with us mostly, but yeah, we still financially have been okay. The business itself has still thrived based on our hard work and our good reputation and our lovely clients who are very, very understanding of things like saying hello to the baby in the meeting. Mary's come to networking events, all sorts of things like that. She's she's definitely a presence, but that's what you get when you work with a family business. And I think people are very sympathetic of that and understanding. Yeah, right. And I mean, um, 
a few things you said that definitely resonated with me. And one of which I think one of the things you're alluding to is just time management, like how you manage to do all of this whilst looking after a baby, because they don't care about your well-organized outlook calendar. They just don't care about that at all. And um, just more widely, I mean, combining freelancing with parenthood, it's it's a subject that you've recently been championing on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, you can see the popularity of your posts, like how much this topic resonates with people. And, you know, people are bringing things up like how confusing the maternity pay process is, the lack of provisions, how that lack of provisions then entrenches gender divisions. You know, there's clearly a lot of freelancers out there who feel, I don't know, there's like just undercurrents of anger almost about what it's like out there at the moment, yeah. what the reality is. What have you kind of learned about that process? And, and what advice would you give to maybe expecting freelancers or those already raising a family? So we're in quite a unique situation because both of us freelance. So there's definitely benefits to both, whether you've got one partner in a full-time employment, one partner is a freelancer, whether the freelancer is the person parent or the other way around. I think there's benefits to if you have, for example, you know, pater- really great paternity pay, then you, or you could do a shared parent, shared leave situation where if Craig was in a full-time job, he could potentially have took more time off. However, equally, when the baby was born, because he was a freelancer, he did get more flexibility because we were our own bosses. So if we did need him to take a day off, he could take a day off. So from the paternity perspective, or you know, the non-birth and parent, I suppose, the provisions were statutory pay. We're both directors of a limited company. So I'm not 100% sure how this works for sole traders and what they're able to claim, but we were eligible for two weeks of paternity pay. So that was, I think, £156 a week. Around that figure, Craig claimed those weeks, but he was actually had a deadline the week that she was born. So he didn't take the two weeks until like maybe she was three weeks old. Other than that, he's worked full time the whole time, but he is generally sitting at this desk and I would be sitting behind him on the sofa asking for a drink, asking for a snack, you know, trapped under the baby. So the paternity provisions are really bad. Like two weeks of that amount of money is not enough money for to survive or to, to counterbalance how much money we would have made if he was working during those weeks. All of this, by the way, that I learned, because unfortunately um, I'm part of a networking group here in Newcastle who are very, very close. The group's been running for over 15 years. And in the group, there's a freelance HR consultant and then also an accountant who is actually our accountant. And they worked, to, as soon as I announced I was pregnant, they worked together pro bono to develop a plan for me because they knew that this was not going to be something that I could work out on my own. I'm not a mathematical person. I'm definitely not someone who understands taxes and you know benefits and things like that. So. They did a bit of maths, worked out that the two options were statutory maternity pay or maternity allowance. I believe one of them's paid by the government. They're both You both get the money, but they're both provided in a different way. I'm not sure on the details. But in the end, I claimed for statutory maternity pay. And I could claim up to 26 weeks, which was £156 a week. But the downside is that you can't work during the time that you're claiming the money for other than what they call kit days, which is keeping in touch and you're allowed to take 10 of those. So 10 days over a six-month period is not enough time to make any money back. That's one day a week for 10 weeks. It works fantastic if you're in employment because it can help you ease back into, into employment. And especially if you've got a great employment situation where you get 
full pay for three months or then half pay for three months, but £156 a week for six months is not financially viable for me. So I think I claimed for three months because I knew that I wasn't really going to be able to work for three months other than a couple of days, which I took as kit days, which is what I recently posted about on LinkedIn, where I was working at the desk with a 20-day-old baby in a sling that would have counted as a kit day. So yeah, we got 13 weeks of 150 pounds a week pay. And then after that, nothing. So back to full-time work, but it wasn't full-time, a day a week, but try to make a full-time wage. So financially, the advice that I would give to people is to save. If you think you're planning to have a child, we have been very, very fortunate in the fact that our child has been, the pregnancy itself was reasonably unproblematic, although I was very sick at the beginning. I didn't. I still worked throughout my pregnancy up until the end. And then I was physically able to work afterwards very quickly. And the baby has been, other than the fact that she didn't sleep for several months, we haven't had any medical problems or health problems on either side, my side or her side. So I can't really imagine how that would happen if, how you would manage this if you had a child with a medical condition or you had an issue, you know, brought on by the birth or maybe twins, which is something which I, honestly don't understand how people can manage (laughs) yeah so my advice like I say would be to save money ask an accountant to get or if I HR consultant to do the calculations because sometimes it can be pennies difference but it does add up so to work out what the best claiming situation would be given your circumstance so I knew that 156 pounds a week would be enough for three months but I didn't want to claim that for six months because I know that I can make that money in a few hours because of the nature of what we do writing one blog post is already more than 156 pounds so i'm already managing to make that money back by working half a day a week and the other advice i could say is when you are pregnant tell your clients i didn't tell my clients until i was about 25 weeks you don't have to tell an employer if you work in employment until you're 25 weeks so i think i was maybe even later when i told some of the clients It depends on how you work with your clients, whether you work long-term or short-term. We have a lot of long-term relationships. So I didn't tell people till I was quite far along. And that might have been my own prejudices and my own fear that people wouldn't want to work with us anymore. I can say we didn't lose any clients because I was pregnant. Obviously, Craig continued to service the clients, but some clients did have to take a break or maybe get a little bit less on their retainers than they usually would, especially at the beginning. And everyone was very, very supportive and we got gifts and we got lots and lots of kind words. So I think maybe my own prejudices about being scared to tell people in case all of the clients dropped us were proven wrong. Whenever you tell some, tell people publicly announce you're pregnant, it's completely your choice. But I was, I definitely didn't mention it until clients till later on. And that's it really for advice. There's not a lot of advice. It's a battle. It's really, really hard. It's a hundred percent worth it. <laughs> As you know, Tom is a parent. It's completely worth it. It's just make sure that you've got a very supportive partner and that your partner is able to do things like allow you to go back to bed in the morning if you've had a bad night, which is something that we did a lot at the beginning. We slept separately. I slept with the baby. I went back to bed in the morning and then then one of us would start work. The other one would parent. Having a routine has been amazing. So every single, it's a set day every week that Craig has the baby. And then now there's a set day a week where Craig has the baby, a set day that she goes to nursery, a set day where I'm at work. And it's in my email signature that these are the days that I'm at work. But I do obviously reply to emails all the time because sometimes I'm on my phone and I reply to an email. But don't expect to reply again 
unless it's a Wednesday or a Thursday, for example, as early as possible, try to make a routine so people know when they can contact you. Don't try and squeeze in calls when you don't know if you're going to even be available or if your baby's going to be, you know, you think, well, I'll just do that call because I might lose that work. Just be honest and say, look, this is the day that my partner has the child. This is the day my grandma has the child. These are the days that I can have this call. And people are much, much more understanding than you would ever think. And if people aren't understanding, then it's probably not a client that you would want to work with anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think with my wife, Thelma and I, we kind of nestled into a routine. We had a bit of an outline, but until Pippa was here, you know, we, we didn't really have that routine in place until we kind of understood just how much yeah. care was involved because it was all new to us. Yeah. So just having real flexibility in, in that routine is, is really important. And um, yeah, I agree with you. It, it is worth it, despite, you know, <laughs> maybe some yeah. gloom. It, it really is worth it, people. I think when you're first <laughs> pregnant, a lot of people will reflect their own issues upon you. This is not really a professional thing. It's more just like you'll say you're pregnant and some people will say, congratulations, that's amazing. And some people will be like, oh, sleep now while you can. Or, oh, are you sure about that? Or, oh, it's going to be really hard. And you think, well, I've made this decision now. And this is the thing that I want to do. So support, just be supportive. And yeah, it is a learning curve, but it's a learning curve that we all have to go on our, on our own. And I don't think you can ever tell anybody what it's going to be like until they've done it themselves and just off, say that you're there for them. And from a professional standpoint and not having a village, like I say, ask, don't always just think, well, I've got no one to help. You know, we do, we've had, my friends who, I'm the first of my friendship group to have a baby. My friends love babies, but they don't have one. But yet they've come and babysat for us. You know, we've had people that we've met through other, like people that we've met through work that have become good friends. We now have a, um, a babysit and swap situation with them where we babysit their kids and then they babysit Mary for us. So really it's asking for help saying, especially if you don't have a fixed, you know, a grandparent waiting in the wings who, who can there, be there a drop of a hat. Uh, there's lots of people out there who are ready to help and, and you can offer them help in return. And then in that time you can work or you could go to the cinema or you could just sit and exist and be a person. But yeah, it's tough, but asking for help is 100% been worth it for us. Yeah, totally. And, you know, linking to kind of routine and, and time management, what you're alluding to there, something that really hit home with me is something that you said in your Conversations by the Sea newsletter, which is a brilliant read if you haven't subscribed yet, listener. Oh, thank you. And um, you talk about taking a temperature check on expectations and pressures that you assert on yourself to reach certain business goals and targets. Yeah. Because I know you've got a baby, but your business is, is also your baby, isn't it? And I yeah. know you said that failure of my business is just not an option. It's just not on the table. And of course, we do have bills to pay. We have tiny mouths to feed. That reality isn't going anywhere. But since having a child, Ellen, has that mindset had to take kind of some readjustment that you just can't do everything or at least as much as you used to? Uh, yeah, massively. I think my expectations of the business has really taken a, it's been a, it's a bit soul searching really because we had, both of us had figures in our head that we'd like to turn over each month and we're a VAT registered business. So, you know, we're at that threshold of, of that revenue. And we think maintaining that or exceeding that is what we used to deem as success. And now our view of the word success is like completely changed. We now think 
this is how much money we need to pay our mortgage. This is how much money we need to pay for the dog food, the dog insurance, which is extremely expensive when you've got old dogs and other things. And then this is how much money we would like to have so that we can go for lunch or we can have coffees out and maybe go on a trip, you know, a city break or something. But the kind of understanding of that base level of money that we need to earn is actually not anywhere near this like ridiculous figure in the sky that we used to aim for and celebrate if we turned over five figures in a month or something. We don't need that at the moment. So really it's just an understanding of do we have the time to take on this work or could that time be better spent going to a national trust place with the baby and the dogs, which is something that we'll never, ever get back from a time perspective. You know, we already look back at pictures of the baby and think, oh my God, she's grown up so much and she'll never be that little again. I saw a quote, it popped up on a LinkedIn feed about a week ago and it honestly, it just kicked me straight in the what's it. It said 20 years from now, the only people that will remember you worked late or checked your emails on weekends will be your kids. I thought, mate, that, that is too, yeah. that is, you know, that really resonated with me anyway. <laughs> no, I often I'll say to Craig, like, or we'll say to each other, you know, that we all, that whole conversation about on your deathbed, would you wish that you had worked more? And we have the same thing about cleaning the house or tidying or, or house jobs. Cause there's also, you know, the domestic elements of the jo- of life that you have to maintain. We think, you know, on your deathbed, you're not thinking, wish I'd cleaned the house more, wish I had worked more, wish I had earned more money. Like the last, what you actually think, you know, if you're fortunate to have a deathbed and to be thinking about these things, I would hope that I would be content with the amount of time that I've been able to spend with Mary and with the dogs. You know, we'll talk about the dogs, but the eldest dog, the one that I got when my mom was dying, he's 10 now. So every moment that I get to spend with him is like a blessing. Really, we didn't get him until he was five and a half. So you know, I don't wish to be out of the house and, and not be around him because being around him is like the most important thing to me. So the more time we get to take him out to the beach or to the countryside, and it is better to go on Monday or Friday to do these things because it's much quieter. So having the flexibility to do things Monday to Friday and not be restricted by the weekends, especially until she's in school, it's such a blessing because soon in a couple of years time before we know it, we'll have to do everything on the weekends and, you know, we'll have sports and we'll have gymnastics or whatever she decides to do we'll have all these commitments and we'll think oh it was actually quite nice when we could just take a friday off and go to the woods yeah totally and um my parents tell me all the time they go you'll miss it tom you'll miss it you know when they can yeah. see exhausted bags on my you'll miss it tom like god are you, are you sure <laughs> yeah but that's also not a helpful thing to say because people do say <laughs> these things and you think <laughs> you're also when people do say things like sleep now while you can or whatever they're downplaying maybe the struggles that you are going through and I think it's also important to be honest about the struggle and say like it is really really hard it's not me saying don't do it and it's not me saying I regret it it's just saying that wow this is harder than I ever thought it was going to be and I think that accepting that it can be really really hard and also that it's great and they coexist and yet for some people it's like as soon as you admit that it's hard it's like you're saying you've regretted ever having a child and that's not necessarily true and there might even be moments of regret but those are just you know brief moments and in reality it can be very hard and you can be exhausted but then your baby can also like stand up for the first time or like Mary start to say words now so like 
she like sometimes says the dog's name and, and like that moment there is like oh right okay that's why this is all worth it because she's <laughs> she's like amazing and and the best thing in the whole world but also oh my goodness this is the hardest thing i've ever done and those things have to coexist oh totally i mean it's just unearthing some some memories for me here but i remember on the kind of build up to to pip being born you would get advice from everyone like yeah any, you know if they found out you're having a kid it's like oh, have you thought about you know, and if you've got your birthing plan sorted, you're doing NCP groups, you know, what nappy brand are you going to use? Yeah. What strategies have you got? And it can feel really overwhelming, but what I never heard, I never heard someone say, I just couldn't do it. Do you know, like, I never heard yeah. say that. And you do, you just find your own way, really, in the, in the capacity that you have. Yeah, I think the expectation, like you touched on it there, is like we're talking about maternity pay and, and how to survive with the baby and the parent. But actually, one of the biggest struggles is probably the pregnancy period because you don't feel very well. You've still got to work. You can't really go on the sick. Like maybe you could have in an employed role. Maybe there were, well, there were certainly times if I had a job, a professional employment, where I would be too sick to have gone into work. But because the sick pay you know, situation isn't, very good or non-existent for a, a director of a company, I wouldn't have bothered doing that. So instead I was having to work from the sofa or, and a lot of the time it was very early on. So people didn't know. So that you really, that first 12 weeks, you're really going around in secret and you're not very well. And your partners really try to look after you. And at the time for me, it was autumn winter. So it was really dark. I was really unwell. I was still trying to run a freelance business and I couldn't tell anyone why. And it was almost like when once I had the baby, it was easier to be like, yeah, this is really hard because I've got a baby now. Look, and then she was there. So people were like, oh, yeah, that's why you're, you're different. That's why things are hard. But definitely in those early stages of pregnancy, there's no financial support. You've just got to keep going. And there is light at the end of it. But there's definitely moments of thinking, like, have I made the right decision here? You know, you don't even have a bump yet, so you, you don't even have that like pr that kind of pregnancy glow. You're just sick and tired and kind of mentally very confused. So I will say, just if anyone's thinking of planning pregnancy or thinking of planning to have a baby around that time, just think that this the beginning bit is also very hard. And I don't think people acknowledge how hard from just a few weeks it can be very very hard, and to just try and strip back on what commitments you've got. I don't think I did anything social through that time. I stopped attending networking and stuff because it was quite obvious that I wasn't well and I didn't want people asking questions. So really just by the time the baby came, I already knew my like survival instincts because I already had to strip things back, cancel things. So yeah, really it's just getting that balance from early on and acknowledging that if you're part, especially if you're not the person, the birthing parent and you're seeing that happen with a partner, acknowledge that, that first trimester is very very difficult and I'm sure your wife experienced that as well Tom where you just think you, you don't actually realize when you go into parenthood that it's going to be so hard from so so early on you might think oh when they're 40 weeks and they're waddling around and they're in pain yeah but actually those first 12 weeks of work for me was worse <laughs> than when I was heavily pregnant and I was waddling around because at least people could see why so from a professional standpoint, I mean, you can tell people as early as you want, but if you don't intend to tell people at the beginning, just strip it back and just survive. That's my advice. Right. Yeah. I wonder if that's just like a, a common feeling, but when you're pregnant, whether it's just to not tell clients because it's easier and they have a fear 
of maybe losing retainer work or whatnot. I mean, from your response, it sounds like it's complete opposite. They're very, very supportive. And they were, but it was also difficult. But it's difficult for me to say that because, well, part obviously because Craig still works in the business, so he did. He was still able to deliver work even on the months that Mary was born. We still sent invoices. So, if you are a freelancer and you're the only person in your business, it's difficult for me to say how that would work. I do know quite a few freelancers, and I know a couple that had babies around the same time as me, and they did event essentially have to shut their doors for three months, and their clients were understanding of that, but. There is that fear that client might go somewhere else in those few months. And even after three months, you might not be able to come back to work, especially if you haven't got a child childcare support network. Mm-hmm. So really, all I can say is that like, if you are able to come back to work earlier and you've got a partner or a grandparent who can have them even one day a week, it's worth doing because also I think it made me feel human again. It mm-hmm. wasn't just the fact that I was like working for money, but it was like, oh, this is a thing that I'm good at. And like, you know, when in the early days of parenting, all you think is, oh my God, I'm so bad at this. This is terrible. I'm failing. And then you're suddenly back at your desk and you're writing an article and you're thinking, oh, this is me back being a real person again. This is actually really nice. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like I needed that just to get away from Coco Melon. I mean, I think that yeah. drives me insane. That it's, Coco- uh, it's Miss Rachel in this house. That, uh, oh. I don't know if you watch Miss Rachel, but she is, uh, she's crack to our baby. So we watch a lot of that and we go to bed at night and we're singing the songs in our sleep yeah but sometimes it's the only thing that can get especially if i get a tech ad email and someone's website gone down and and i'm by myself and the baby's watching you know here i have you know miss rachel has to go on the laptop comes out quickly email the it people and just try and get something sorted and try not to feel guilty about the fact that she's watching a bit of tv because yeah. um, that can be a that's a slippery slope as well the guilt the guilt thing yeah, too right. I just want to kind of look at this topic now through a creative lens. And, um, you know, as you know, being a creative, it means you, you really have to tune in and be aware of when your mind is at its fizziest and when you're coming up with ideas that pay the bills. And um, I wish it was a constant for me. It, it's not. I'm usually more active in the mornings from like 7 a.m. and then late evening. And of course, these are also the times when our very understanding and considerate children are most needy. So with that in mind, have you come up with kind of any strategies or ways of working to capture, you know, those ideas when you're at your most creative, even when you've got your hands full with childcare? Yeah, so I suppose the, my our recommendation or my recommendation, because Craig's definitely more of a like, he talks a lot about adult ADHD, which he was diagnosed with at 29. So his creativity is very much more chaotic than mine. I can work the same hours every day. Like I'm a more of a morning person. He has his ideas in the middle of the night and he could work in the middle of the night, which has actually somehow ended up being a really great balance for us because it meant that the balance of childcare and the balance of labor was, especially at the beginning, he couldn't get up in the morning, but I could. But then at night I was going to bed really early and he was helping out with that. So from an ideas perspective, things like sending voice notes using Keep, which is the notes app on my phone, just putting stuff in there. A lot of the time I spent at the beginning pushing the pram or walking with the sling miles and miles. So that is when your brain is really like working as opposed to when you're at your, your desk. Often I'll come up with, you know, you come up with ideas in the shower because that's when you're not looking at a screen. So um, things like just saying we actually invested in, I would say the word Alexa because she'll wake up. But we invested in like Echo set up with the Alexa. So she helps us with things. And sometimes we'll use her to take notes. 
or we'll say, you know, we'll ask her a question. Weirdly, we've become very much voice to text or voice note type communicators, pushing the pram just to say quickly and pushing the pram, but can you just contact this client and say that we can do this? Or, and then from a notes, I used to be, you might, people who follow me might know that I used to be very big into Notion, which is like the, the planning project management app. But it does take a lot of maintenance and I've had to completely scrap that because there's no way I can maintain a notion. I actually also used to do bullet journaling with like full color, like full design monthly pages that I used to document every month. And like, all oh, that's gone out the window. So the only app we use now is Todoist, which has been great for crazy ADHD as well because it's connected to the phone. It's the UI is very, very stripped back. And it's just a note to say, just come up with this tagline for this thing and, uh, and that's it. And yeah. as much as I like to go in and color code everything, I haven't got time to do that anymore. And the whole Todoist database is a mess, but at least things are in there and that can be accessed. So yeah, my advice would just be voice notes, notes on your phone, maybe carry a notebook for, if you're that kind of person, tell Alexa or Todoist or Trello or something very, very simple like that. Yeah. And whatever you do, listen, and don't let those ideas slip away because they probably won't come back. Yeah, I definitely yeah. find that as well, especially for the newsletter, which is like a hobby. It's an unpaid thing and I haven't managed to do it weekly like I used to. But I do get ideas for the newsletter a lot when I'm out and about. And then and I think I'll remember it and I never remember it. And it really, really annoys me because I think um, that was such a great idea for the newsletter. And I don't know why I seem to think that I would remember it, but I don't. So I have started to just put them all in my notes in my phone. And then when it comes down to having an hour to write one, I'll go into the notes and see what I wrote. And a lot of the time, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I've written like time management, space, upside down, something this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what was she yeah. on about? So most of the time I can work it out. Yeah. I'm a bit of a voice alert myself, a bit Alan Partridge-esque. It's just yeah. easy. It just goes into a WhatsApp group of pinned at the top. Yeah, it's simple. That's a good idea, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's not my idea. Someone shared it on social. Some genius shared it. I've used it ever since. I've got a listener question for you, but before we move on to that, what is our conclusion? Is it possible to successfully raise a family while building a a successful freelance business? Or are we just absolutely bonkers to think it's achievable? I think it's definitely achievable. I think your expectations have to be low and your financial planning has to be pretty good. And you have to have, you know, low outgoings and things like that if you can. And also prioritize time with your family. Prioritize the positive things that make you realize that it's worth it. Because really, like four to six months in, we really had moments of like, why are we doing this? We had a terrible four-month sleep regression. I was getting an hour chunks of sleep if I was lucky, co-sleeping with the baby and then we didn't accept a babysitter until four, four or five months where we went to the cinema once. So it's definitely possible. But if I did it again, I would say to prioritize myself more to take off that pressure of trying to earn a five figure month or something like that. And just really enjoy the time, but recognize that it's okay to not enjoy the time. And it does get easier as your children get older. Um, every child brings with them struggles and I'm sure obviously we're only a year in so I'm sure we'll have terrible twos and we'll have all sorts of things but from what I've heard with other parents with children and I, I, I don't know if you'll agree with this Tom nothing is as is is as hard as the newborn like the first six months is definitely the hardest because after that they can communicate with you they give you more back 
even if they're having a terrible, terrible day behaviorally, at least you're still getting glimmers of joy. And yeah. hopefully they're sleeping more than an hour at a time, hopefully. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's when they start to walk. That's yeah. when I was like, oh, okay, this is another, this is a game changer, Felma. Uh, this is quite- We're nearly there. And she's currently cruising the furniture and pulling stuff off the shelves. Everything started to get higher and higher. And Craig's an avid Warhammer like player. So all his Warhammer models have like just took a shelf up because they were starting to get grabbed and like all of his paints and stuff have started to be moved. All of her books have moved to the bottom shelf so she can access them because she's like loves her books like same as us. So even though she's not walking independently, she still manages to access things that you just couldn't imagine that she would be able to access. And then very soon she'll be taking her first steps. And I'm really, really excited about that because I think she'll really be able to enjoy being out and about a lot more. But she, you know, she's restricted to the push chair at the moment and she just wants to be out and walking and seeing things for herself. And I'm sure I'll keep less fit as well, chasing her around. Yeah. Up enough from running into traffic. <laughs> I mean, get those Warhammer out the way, Craig, for sure. Oh, yeah. Right. It's a lot, of, a lot of emotional value in the Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I've got, I got a listener question for you. We did ask for questions on LinkedIn. What we got a response actually on my post and yours was actually a lot of people sharing their stories and experience, yeah. which is really insightful. So go and check out, uh, especially Ellen's post on LinkedIn, uh, listener, because um, you're getting some kind of, you know, real experiences from freelancers who've been through this process on there. It might, you might find it helpful. Right. So listener question, tone of voice copywriter and brand language strategist, Felicity Wilders has asked you, get out on the end, as a sole director of a limited company, I'm working on the assumption that I'll have to self-fund any future maternity leave. Ellen, do you know if this is the case and whether there are any other viable options? Uh, yes. So I think I've spoken briefly to Felicity about this before, but that was maybe very early on in the journey and I didn't know what I could claim. But we claimed for statutory maternity pay, which our accountant organised and it went on our pay slip. It basically covered part of the basic salary that we claim. So as directors of limited companies, the most tax efficient way of doing this is to claim a basic salary, which is about a thousand pounds a month. You know, you take from your bank account and then everything else you take as dividends. I think it was 900 and something. So the the basic salary was still the same amount, but but it was actually part of that came from the statutory maternity pay. We did get a statutory maternity pay in one big chunk, but we took it out of the bank account in the way that it came through the pay slips. Our accountant also does our pay slips, so we get a pay slip each every month with just that basic amount. So my best advice would be to ask your accountant because they know it better than than I do. But I did claim for, I was eligible for 26 weeks of £156 a week. But like I said earlier, I wouldn't be able to work during that time and I would only be able to have done keeping in touch days. So I believe I only claimed for three months of that. And then I did a couple of keeping in touch days. And then I properly came back to work after three months where Craig started having the baby a day a week. So it is self-funded to an extent, because especially if you don't have a partner in the business who's earning money during that time, you want money coming in because that statutory pay isn't enough to live off, even if you live the most frugal lifestyle, 400 or 450, wait, no, £600 pound a month or whatever it works out as isn't enough money to live on. And I think, like you said, some of the comments on, on the post on LinkedIn, Tom, I think it was really interesting that people were commenting from who have children who are of adult age or, or teenage children 
and they were freelancing at the time of their children's birth and then what they claim for is basically the same or more or slightly less and it shows that the situation for maternity leave for freelancers, self-employed people, directors of small businesses, it has not changed in 20 years. And it hasn't even changed with inflation. If it had changed with inflation, we'd be looking at something more like £300 a week rather than 150 So uh, we're definitely at a loss. So yes, self-funded. But there is also an option for shared leave. So your if your partner is in a full-time employment, you could take three months and then they could also claim for several months. I'm not sure how many. I think it's up to six within the first year of your child's birth. So they could take time off and you could then freelance and make that money back. Worth looking into shared leave if, if your partner's in employment. If your partner isn't in employment and they're full freelancer like you, just muddle on through like we did and save as much as you can at the beginning. That's a great response. And um, yes, it's a wide range of options out there, but it's just about knowing those options. And as you said, maybe speaking to an accountant is probably your best best bet if you do have an accountant. Um, We need to move on to our feature round, Name That Attraction. And uh, with every guest, we ask them to come up with a name and strapline for a new attraction coming to Brighton Pier. All fictional, of course. Ellen, my previous guest, Vicky Ross, has set your attraction task, which is to come up with a name and strapline for a carousel and not of the LinkedIn kind. Yeah. What have you got for us? So it's quite intimidating being set a task by Vicky. <laughs> As uh, you know, I admire her so much and, all, and I followed her for a very long time. But my carousel is called the Terry Go Round. And instead of horses, you ride on the back of models of famous Terry's. <laughs> so you've got Terry Wogan, obviously, rest in peace. Terry Pratchett, also rest in peace. Some of them are living, not the actual models, like the models of people, not the models are not living because that would be crazy. Terry Crews, Terry Hatcher, couldn't think of any other Terrys. But the tagline, I've got a couple of options. So the more the Terrier, but then that does sound like a bit like a dog. And eat, drink and ride Terry. So that could be also an option. I would also take any submissions of famous Terry's because I can only think of those five. So as many Terry's as possible. I just think it will be really fun. Terry go round. Yeah, I like that. I can see it on Brighton Pier next to Jonathan. Yeah. Fox, um, he called his the, the Turdinator. <laughs> yeah. All the places that the Terry go round could thrive, I feel like Brighton would have to be it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, awesome. And whilst you're here, Ellen, would you like to set the new attraction task for my next guest, Andrew Bolton? Yeah. So I really wanted to come up with something like super interesting, but my mind went blank. And also from a seaside town, Whitley Bay, which is up here in the Northeast, just outside of Newcastle, we used to have a little theme park here of our own. It's gone now, but when I was growing up, we did. And we had a roller coaster. We also had a Hilter Skelter. So Helter Skelter for the Southerners there with the T's. So my attraction is a Helter Skelter. Nice. There you go, Andrew. Your homework is set. Awesome. Thanks, Ellen. And um, if people want to hear more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter, Content by the Sea. My name is Ellen, but my name on there is Content by the Sea. And you can find me on LinkedIn, which I don't post on that regularly, but I do try. And I still feel very strongly about all the people that I've met on there Tom I think that was probably where we first chatted mm-hmm. and 
and made lots and lots of friends on there and all the being freelance community all of the copywriters unite you know content club uk they're still going so yeah twitter is the best place to find me awesome thanks for just sharing so much information with us ellen and uh if you found this episode useful do consider leaving a review for the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you want to join me for a chinwag about freelancing or copywriting do drop me a line at coastalcopy.co.uk and i'll see you next time on podcast by the peer this episode of podcast by the peer is sponsored by kelly draper virtual assistance based in sussex if you're a freelancer or owner of a small business working late into the night with an ever-growing to-do list of boring businessy tasks, then Kelly and her team at KDVA can help. From one-off admin jobs to inbox and diary management through to proposal writing, HR and finance support and event planning, KDVA can take everything off your hands so you can spend more time doing what you want to do, like listening to podcasts. If that's not enough to get you reaching for your mobile phone, KDVA are also offering 10% off your first month's retainer fee. To redeem this offer, email hello at kd-va.co.uk with the word podcast in your subject line. That's hello at kd-va.co.uk and I'll see you next time on Podcast by the Peer.